Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. I'm going to do the thing again where I just do part of it and stop. Okay. Rather than keep going. Oh, boy. This is intense. It's, it's not a tough one. Now, this could be Pirates of the Caribbean. It could also be one of 80 Hans Zimmer movies he's done. <laughs> That's a good point. It is Pirates of the Caribbean, though. <laughs> Um, there's another movie he did that has almost an identical theme. I forget what it is, though. The Rock is very similar. Yeah, The Rock is really uh, similar. Gladiator is actually pretty similar. That's what it was. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, they're all very similar. Love the guy. Love the music. Can't fault him too much. How's it going, everybody? You are listening and watching to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How is it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And today, it's time. It's the hour of devastation. Review. Set review. <laughs> I was like, we're all getting de- devastated? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but before we get into it, this show is brought to you by CardKingdom.com. If you want to support the show, go to CardKingdom.com slash Command Zone. That's our affiliate link, and you can place your order that way. It shows them that, hey, you've come from the Command Zone, you support the podcast, and also you support their awesome website, which has tons of magic singles, including the ones we're going to talk about today at hopefully a great price and fast shipping. Yeah, you want to be pre-ordering all your Hour of Devastation stuff. Again, use that affiliate link to support the show. The other sponsor for this show is ultra pro Woo! i got my cool ultra pro shirt on right here uh ultra pro very generous to donate all kinds of things to this cast to game nights to all the people that came to our vegas party they also recently did our awesome play mats yeah which uh by the way just got sent out for everybody that ordered on kickstarter Hooray. ultra pro great check out the eclipse sleeves and check out their heavy metal dice after we gave a bunch of those away so i cool. yeah i've been looking for some myself so yep Yep. I forgot to save some for myself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't save any. I no, like, yeah. I'm like, okay, away. so I'm going to have to buy some now, which is fine. It's cool because yeah. they're awesome. <laughs> the other way to support the show is Patreon, and that is the most direct way that you can help us out by going to patreon.com slash command zone. And every episode, we shout out one random patron on the show, and this week, that person is... Good name on this one. Joshua Kandava. Where are all the Jimmies at? Joshua you rock. It's random, dude. I don't know. What do you want me to do? That's true. Yeah, well, maybe next time. <laughs> I mean, I can search for a Jimmy or a James next time if you want to. Yeah, and we could just lie and say it's random. I mean, maybe Uh-oh. I'll choose it next time. Who knows? All right. We'll find out next week on the show. Thrilling. <laughs> okay, let's move into our main topic. This is always a big show for us. It's the Hour of Devastation set review. 
And you know what? Nicol Bolas is back. Nicole, Nicole, Nicole. I don't care how You're to say it. You're going to get in trouble no matter how Mr. you say it. Mr. Bolas has returned, and it is now the hour of devastation on Emonquette. He tore stuff up. He, like... Killed he like all the gods. Murdered a lot of gods really quickly yeah. with all his friends. I think he killed a bunch of planeswalkers or defeated them at the very least. Yeah. Uh, I didn't is, actually read the stories. I just read some of the cards. Yeah. <laughs> but what is nice is that these are very powerful cards that are doing such things. So it's going to be a fun set to analyze. Before we get into it, let's talk about the mechanics, the new ones and returning ones in the set so that we'll be familiar with what we can use in EDH going forward. So the first mechanic is Eternalize. Cards with Eternalize let you use the card after it's been in the graveyard. It's kind of like Embalm. It's like Mega Embalm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like Megamorph. Yeah. So it's there's a cost in the text, and then you exile the, that creature card from the graveyard. And then you create a token that's a copy of that card. So very much like Embalm, except in this case with Eternalize, the copy is always a 4-4. Four, four. Whoa. So it doesn't keep the power and toughness that it had before. It usually gets bigger. Eternalized stuff is usually bigger. Um, and then you can eternalize Lycanbomb only as a sorcery. So it basically makes a copy of the creature, but a 4-4 copy. Yep. And the uh, card, the cost is usually a little more as yeah. well than normal Embalm because it's coming back a little fatter. But as a result, some of the cards look okay until they get eternalized. Then they look great. Yeah, that's true. Some of them are like, oh, that creature's kind of small. Oh, then it's a 4-4. Although in EDH, 4-4 doesn't tend to be that big. You normally... Yeah. There are some of these cards that I think are playable, though, because of the effects they have. Yeah, exactly. All right, Afflict is a new combat-based keyword that has a number X after the term, so Afflict 1 through whatever, which means that whenever this creature becomes blocked, defending player loses X life, so it is life loss. Uh, it's sort of like... It makes it punishes you for blocking the creature because you're going to lose life no matter what. So it's a very good aggressive sort of strategy. Um, it li they like to put it on creatures like with Death Touch or something where you wouldn't normally want to want to let it through, mm -hmm. uh, but you kind of have to. Or, or either like you'll have to discard a card or something bad will happen. Or if you block it, then you lose life yeah. even though you blocked it. Yeah, and like Jimmy said, it is loss of life, so it's not damage. So it kind of gets around certain cards in that respect. Uh, those are the new mechanics. The returning mechanics, and we'll go over these quickly because they were in Amonkhet. One is exert. Exert is just when uh, you exert a permanent, it basically won't untap on your following untap step. I think we all know that having played Amonkhet now. Uh, pretty simple. They're the aftermath and slash split cards. Uh, they're cards that are face up on one side and sideways on the other one. So you can cast the top part from your hand and then you cast the second part from the graveyard. Uh, and it's... Interesting. I haven't found any of those cards that have really blown me away. There might be an option or two in this set, but otherwise it's interesting. It's just another version of split cards. Yeah, I think uh, the biggest change from this is that they changed the rules for split cards when the Aftermath cards came out. Yeah. So now it's like you combine both cards when you're sort of considering it. So if one part's an instant and one part's a sorcery, that card counts as an instant and a sorcery. But more importantly, when you're sort of cheating costs, you have to consider both costs together now. So you can't like cast the big side by paying by like cheating out the small side if that makes sense yeah there the, the expertise cycle had a way around that and now you sort of can't get away with it you have to add up the mana cost of both sides of the card uh to sort of cheat it into play so that was kind of a big thing and the last one is cycling the last mechanic and this is an old mechanic it's returning you know for the a multitude of times and cycling <laughs> is just an instant speed activated ability where you spend the cost uh, of the cycling cost, and then you discard that card and draw a card. And again, 
it is at instant speed, so you can do that at any time. And then there's certain cards that sort of trigger off of cycling sometimes. And every time you cycle a card, do this. So. Cycling is great. It gives a lot of cards extra utility. Yeah, cycling yeah. is pretty awesome, and it makes a lot. Yeah, it makes a lot of cards that maybe would be mediocre or close to not good enough to play. A lot of times, it makes them good enough because, in the worst case scenario, you can just replace that card with another random card off the top of your deck uh, yeah. for a cheap cost. The one thing we want to talk about really quick here before we go into the specific cards from Hour of Devastation are the invocations. So this is the last set, at least for a while, that they're going to be doing invocations. If you if you knew about this, they had announced, I don't know, maybe a year ago that they were going to be doing the Masterpiece series every in every set. set. Yeah. And so that's why we got um, Kaladesh, Ether Revolt, the Artifact Masterpieces, then we got Invocations in Amonkhet, and they kind of decided that it was diminishing returns to do this all the time. Mm -hmm. So they're stopping after this set. So there's not going to be what my girlfriend calls the golden tickets anymore in every set. Not saying they won't do it again, but this is the last one for a while. So there are some cards in here that are interesting for us. There's Capsize. There's Damnation. There's Omniscience. Armageddon for, you know, those people that like to have people get mad at them, (laughs) um, like me. Blood Moon, uh, come on, Josh. I didn't put Blood Moon down on purpose. I, dang it, you found it. Didn't think you'd get away with that one. Uh, I did think I'd get away with that. I think you were going to look at everyone. That's and true. Start, yeah. So um, yeah. They're, they're, I, the invocations, I will say, uh, and I came around on them because I didn't think they looked great when I first saw them, but when you see them in person, they actually look pretty sweet. Yeah, so, they do look really sweet in person. Yeah, so I'm excited. And I think the art for this time around is like, it is all out of control good. Yeah, the art looks sweet, although I would say a minor complaint I have is that some of the art doesn't seem to have to do with what the card is to me, but (laughs) the art is cool. It just doesn't seem well matched to the card sometimes. Anyway, small complaint. Um, Invocations. Have fun. Open all of the good ones. I'm not sure which those are. Omniscience probably for us. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's step right into the full set review here. We're going to go through not every single card uh, as we usually do. We're just going to talk about the cards we think are important to the format of Commander and have a chance to make a splash or be usable in decks. Like, obviously, the power level EDH decks is very high, and there's not a ton of cards in any set that are going to make every single deck. But we'll talk about cards that we think are playable or ones that are playable in certain decks. Um, As always, if we miss some, feel free to let us know in the comments which cards you think we missed. All right, let's start with the... Awesomest of the awesome. Yeah, we we just get the baseball bat out. It's a home run. Uh, so, Nicol Bolas comes in and he kills all the gods from. Did he kill all of them? I think he kills he all the kills gods a from bunch. Yeah, original Omkhet. So them, like Bontu, Kefnet. Yeah. I know Kefnet's done. Ronas just that gets one. iced immediately. Yeah, Ronas, Oketra. I think they all go down. Hazret. Um, they're all killed. But there are these other three gods that are so old they don't even have like names they just are called sort of by what they do yeah and uh when he came to the plane he was like i'm gonna keep you three for myself yeah and the other ones uh well i mean maybe he even gave them names i'm not sure but this first one is ridiculous it is called the locust god uh it's four a blue and a red so josh and i are already interested for a legendary creature god it's a four four flying creature god Whenever you draw a card, create a 1-1 blue and red insect creature token with flying and haste. For two, a blue and a red, you can draw a card and then discard a card. 
So Lou, and then when the locust god dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. So this is actually the text on all of these new three gods is that whenever they die, you, it comes back to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. Yeah, you know how like the Theros gods had the, it's not a creature until it has mm-hmm. devotion acts. And then the Amonkhet gods had the, it can not attack or block unless you meet this criteria. And now these gods have the, if it dies, return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. Um, which is Ridiculous. cool and interesting for a commander, right? Because of the way that commanders interact, mm-hmm. you're you basically won't have to play commander tax that often unless it gets exiled. Uh, in or which case, you put make, it into the command zone. Yeah, then, or they make you like discard it from your hand or something. Yeah, again, you just put it in the command zone, and then you'll play commander tax. It's not there's not a in the old days with Tuck, this would have been risky, and now it's not. Yeah, which makes these I think quite a bit better than the Amonkhet gods. Probably not quite as good as the Theros gods from from the perspective of. Theros gods are often not creatures and therefore harder to get rid of. These mm-hmm. are always creatures. But again, you can always sort of recast them for the cheapest cost. Always is maybe an overstatement. Yeah. Um, okay, so enough about that. Let's talk about the actual card. You, Whenever you draw a card, you create a 1-1 one, one flyer with haste. With haste? Why do it have to have haste? Why the haste have have makes haste? it insane. Yeah. It makes it so that... I mean, red already can give haste. So you, you're not... This card seems very, very, very good. Yeah, and honestly, the worst part about the card is how much it costs to loot. Four man to draw and discard the card is just not what you're going to do when you play the Locust God. But and you don't care. You're just going to fill your deck with other cards that draw cards so that yeah. you're just you're you're drawing cards and not using that ability. Who cares? Yeah, and the crazy thing is, is like it is a six mana commander, and that's a lot. But the fact that you rarely have to pay commander tax on it, I think equalizes it out in the long run. Yeah, because the second time you cast it, it's basically like, you know, it costs maybe five. As far as the grand total of what you'd pay for a five drop commander mm-hmm. if it died once and then you cast it again you'd pay 12 mana right yeah and then the third time you cast it it's the same as, as if it costs four like ah, you're saying make money after that <laughs> there's so many combos with this card we're not gonna be able to list them all i think the single best card with the locust god is probably skull clamp because you clamp obviously onto a creature that kills the creature and the skull clamp draws you two cards which makes two more one one flyers with haste that's not fair and then you clamp one of them, and you make two more and draw two cards. That's awesome. And then fair. you do that. And obviously, there's there's infinite combos, right? Because any of yep. the altars, uh, Phyrexian, uh, Ashnods, will go infinite because you can also sack the extra creature to create the mana that you're then equipping the skull clamp with. Yeah, one altar and the skull clamp, and this guy, you draw your whole deck. And you, and if you have Ashnods, I think you have you can you make can make his, infinite uh, or not infinite. Well, you can make a lot of a ton of mana. Yeah. Oh well, a ton of flyers. Yep. Because because you can just keep doing it, and you can keep making the flyers. And if you have something that shuffles your graveyard back into your library, then you can make infinite. Uh, but even without the altars, Skull Clamp is crazy, because just every mana you have is going to create a 1-1 flyer with haste and draw you two cards, because you're killing one with the clamp. And so even that yeah. like is just like pretty insane. Um, it's super insane. Not to mention just like wheel effects. Ugh. and like Think of like Winds of Change. That's one red mana that could potentially be one red mana... Make seven one one flyers with haste. Yeah, if you play like mind moil effects, then you're just constantly drawing cards. The problem oh, is, is that it gives, puzzle box. Oh boy, yeah. The fact that it gives haste is nuts because now, if let's say you have a goblin bombardment on the battlefield, now you can attack with all your creatures that you just made. Sack them all. Sack them all and do more damage. Or if you have like a perforos, oh, just tons of damage. Well, yeah, you don't even need the haste for perforos. I think with perforos, maybe the second best card in this deck because yeah. like perforos and skull clamp. Just think about it. Even with just a little bit of mana. You can probably do like 28 damage to everybody, <laughs> like pretty easy. Uh, 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 this card is insane. Um, easily the best of the gods. 
Yeah. Oh, this next one is pretty good. It is pretty good. Want to read it? Yeah, sure. It's the Scarab God. Three blue and a black, so five mana total. Legendary God, five, five. At the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent loses X life and you scry X, where X is the number of zombies you control. Mm. And then it has activated ability, two, a blue and a black. Exile target creature card from a graveyard. Create a token that's a copy of it, except it's a 4-4 black zombie. So you kind of give all creature cards on the battlefield <laughs> eternalized for you. In the graveyard. Right, well, eternalized is in the graveyard. Like, you right, can't eternalize right. when it's on the battlefield yeah. anyway. And then, so. of course, when the Scarab God dies, return to its owner's yeah. hand at the beginning of the next end step. Now, this costs one mana less. That's a five mana, five-five. Uh, the zombie part of it, I think, is interesting. You're getting to scry, which is a very nice bit of card advantage if you have a lot of zombies. The reason that's weaker is that it requires you to have stuff happening on the battlefield for the top part of its ability to be going. But the it, the cards you exile, a card from somebody's graveyard, then make a zombie creature token. Those are zombies when you eternalize yeah. basically something from somebody else's graveyard or your own. And then it also, each opponent loses X life. So if you happen to have a lot of zombies, you just kill people. Yeah. As a triggered ability off the Scarab God. And you get a scry a ton. So. Yeah, this card is is very good. I think, you know, the Locust God is a little bit better as far as comboing off and whatnot, but Scarab yeah. God is one of those sort of attrition-based gods. This is also a great card to have in your deck because when you do finally draw it, it's almost like it becomes your commander because it keeps going back to your hand. So I would That's put this a really good point. in Actually, a zombie Demir deck. All of these kind of work that way. I mean, they can be exiled, obviously, but... <gasps> this is how they're reprinting partner commanders. That's so great. <laughs> <laughs> finally. So stuff that comes to mind with the Scarab God, obviously, is mill. You, mm. If you're milling everybody, then you just have more things that you can... I'm going to call it Eternalize. It's not, it doesn't say that on the card, but that's what yeah. the Scarab God is doing. So you can Eternalize from other people's graveyards or your own if you're just mass milling everybody. Mass discard's really good with the Scarab God because you still have access to the stuff in your graveyard uh, with an activated ability that you can use as many, many times as you have the mana, mm -hmm. but not everybody else does. I also think Training Grounds, and Training Grounds is actually still pretty good with the locust god too yeah so training grounds might be a good card to pick up here maybe it'll get reprinted i i don't being know being able to do his ability for blue black seems pretty crazy yeah exactly two mana eternalize something like that seems insane to me um and then i was thinking processors oh from the eldrazi so you eternalize somebody else's card make a 4-4 copy of it process it back into their graveyard and do it again do it if again. there's a good creature like i don't know that you want you know um Something with cool enter the battlefield effect, you might be able to do that yeah. every turn. Like if somebody's got a duplicate or something in there, you just oh, that's nice. You start boom, boom, boom for you know if you have training grounds out for like even if it's like a card that people have to remove, like a consecrated sphinx or yep. an elish norn. Yeah, you know, it's like I need it back again. I'll just make it again. It. Yeah, give it back, please. Yeah, so I think the scarab god is one of those like attrition based cards where accumulated value over the course of the game. It's one of those Marin type of cards. I think yeah. a lot of people are gonna like, and it's gonna be a lot of fun. Also, zombie tribal. Yeah. And you can just go straight zombie tribal and uh, just use the, the uh, what's it called, in eternalized thing for funsies. Yeah. I was going to say, combine it with Geese and Garolf in the deck, too. And yeah. Boom, you're going, you're going ham. Geralf. Geralf, sorry. Okay. Sorry. So, sorry. I'm just saying, if it's Gerald, which nobody says Gerald, then it has to be Geralf, because changing right. the D into an F cannot possibly make the G sound hard. You never know, though. I just went off for no reason there on a little rant. Okay. Last Next god, up, yeah, the Scorpion God. This is the one that just iced Ronas when it came to the plane. It like it's pretty graphic if you read it. <laughs> Three, a black and a red for a six-five legendary creature God. When every creature with a minus one minus one counter on it dies, draw a card. 
and for one a black and a red. So if you remember the other activated abilities of the gods were four mana, this is three mana. Put a minus one, minus one counter on another target creature. And of course, when the scorpion god dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. So this is a build around in a color combination that do they, I guess they do minus one, minus one counters a lot, but... Red doesn't as much. I think a lot of people are disappointed this doesn't have green, right? Yeah, green would be the one that you would want for it. Now, Craig, as an infect lover, might like this. True. Um, there are some cards in red. In fact, there are some sort of interesting combos, but it's not as prevalent as it is in uh, in green. And I think because of Apatra, that's why a lot of people are like wishing yeah. that. But some cards that come to mind, one is Everlasting Torment. It's two and a hybrid black red, so three mana total for an enchantment. It says players can't gain life, damage can't be prevented, but it says all damage is dealt as though its source had wither, which means that all damage is dealt to creatures in the form of negative one counters. This in combination with something like Blowfly Infestation, which is when a creature with a negative one counter on it dies, you can put a negative one counter elsewhere, you can kind of go off with Nest of Scarabs or some yeah. other things. There's a there's combo-rific things you can do for sure with the Scorpion God. And just in general, getting uh, value out of negative one counters we've seen in Hapatra is good. I think this card will be, you know, fun and playable. It's mm -hmm. definitely not, like, one of the most powerful creatures you could get, but it is, you know... I think I, I don't think it's like a low tier. You'll never see this in play. There'll be some good yeah. decks with this. I mean, the fact that you can just put a counter minus one minus one counter on another creature for three mana seems pretty decent. Um, that, that's surprise. We saw in Hibachi, right? That's surprisingly good. Yeah, yeah. Being able to neuter other creatures and sometimes just get rid of really important ones. There are a lot of creatures out there that are two twos or one ones or X ones yep. that that if, hey, this is a great form of repeated removal. In a, people in can't a, even play those cards if yeah. if you've got this out. Kind of if this is your general and the Tim deck is just like oh crap. Oh, that's right. Like, what that's do I do? Point. It just kills every single creature in that deck. Yeah. What if you made a Tim deck with this god in it so they put the minus one minus counter and then you and ping then it ping to kill it? it. There, yeah, you go. there you go. Yeah. Get that damage. Seems convoluted, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go move on to the new planeswalkers in the set. And I the lied. Sorry. This is the best card in the set. <laughs> it's good, but it's not better than the Locust God, I don't what? think. What? Well, know, you can't man. have it as your commander, so you have that, to draw okay, it or right, find right, it. Right, and even once you get it out, I think it's good, but I don't think it's like insane. And it's cost seven mana. Um, it's the headliner. It's the top billing. It's Big Daddy himself. I'm going to let you say it since you get in trouble every time you pronounce it. Nissol Bolas. <laughs> God Farah. Nickel Bolas, God Pharaoh. It is four in Grixis, so blue, black, and red. My boy, you're going to Marchesa immediately. Planeswalker Bolas comes in with seven loyalty and it also has four abilities. So another Planeswalker uh, after Chandra, Torture, Defiance, and Jace the Mind Sculpture with four abilities on it. There's it's, a Garrick that has four also. Oh, that's right. Garrick Primal Hunter. Uh, Apex Predator. Apex, Apex Predator. Predator. Yeah. His plus two, uh, uh, Mr. Bolas, target opponent exiles cards from the top of his or her library until he or she exiles a non-land card. Until end of turn, you may cast that card without paying his mana cost. I'm doing the post. Plus one, each opponent exiles two cards from his or her hand. Wah, wah. Minus four, Nicol Bolas, God Pharaoh, deals seven damage to target opponent or creature in the opponent controls. Yeah, just smacks him. <laughs> Minus 12, exile each non-land permanent your opponent's control. So this may be the single best Planeswalker ultimate, I think, that you can do off of a doubling season. Maybe. It, it just exiles every non-land permanent your opponent's control. It's a one-sided cyclonic rift that exiles them instead of bounces them. It's very good. It's really, yeah. good. It's really um, good. I would say that the fact that it comes up with seven for seven mana, a loyalty, is pretty good already. It makes him a little harder to kill. And the plus two 
is can be really nutty. Um, the fact that you can play it no matter what without you're gonna get something. Cost, you're gonna get something. It may not be the greatest thing, but you know there are a lot of like I would do this to a Carador deck without blinking an eye. Yeah, I think that's good, but it, it you you can sort of you can't whiff totally maybe, but yeah. you can you can sort of whiff. You could get a signet or something. Yeah, his plus one though is really nice. Each opponent exiling two cards from his or her hand in a four player game. That's six cards for one. I uh, I think that's like really good actually. Yeah, especially if because it's each opponent's not you. They exile, so that even like graveyard shenanigans yeah. don't work with that stuff. Uh, yeah, if you ever can put Nickel Bolas down. And then plus one, make all your opponents discard two cards. And then you don't... Nickel Bullet sticks around for the next turn. You're in such good shape. Because they couldn't answer it then. They're going to have less cards every turn from yeah, now on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, the powerful. seven damage to target... Uh, yeah, target opponent or creature. The uh, the whoosh, the backhanded slap. I, it's fine. Yeah, I could see it being used much more rarely than the plus two or plus one. It's a negative four, too. Negative like, four, what? Yeah. yeah. I mean, unless I'm not complaining, cards are plenty powerful, but negative four. Here's the thing. Once you start at making people exile stuff from their hands, and you're playing stuff from their library, and you're getting Nicol Bolas up to nine, ten, eleven, then the minus four is not so bad. But yeah, true. I mean, look, we're all just we're all going for the minus 12. That's that's what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, well, you have to be in five color, uh, or I guess you can be in four color now. Um, or three color, just friend. play that uh, that you, that you thing. doubling season though. No, that that uh, blue creature, the doubling. Uh, uh, deep glow. Deep glow, deep glow skate. skate. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Um, sure, sure. But I mean, you have to cast both on the same turn because you have to cast deep glow after nickel bullets. The good thing about doubling season is you cast it before the planeswalker. So, just saying, they have a chance to kill nickel bullets. I I think he's good. I don't know. I it's think fine. he's nuts. I love it because it's Grixis, my boy. It's fine. Speaking of a less impressive I, card, though. Okay, so the the, the second um, planeswalker is Samut the Tested. So Samut got it's testing her patience her with spark, planeswalkers. Her spark got ignited. She's two a green and a red for a planeswalker. Samut for loyalty plus one up to one target creature gains double strike until end of turn. Sure, negative two. Samut deals two damage divided as you choose among one or two target creatures and or players. So two, forked bolt. Two damage. Forked bolt. Is that right? Yeah. And then negative seven, which is our ultimate. Search your library for up to two creatures, or sorry, creature and or planeswalker cards and put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. So it's kind of tooth and nail, except you cannot search your hand also. So you can only search your library and put them into play. Now that's interesting because you could just essentially combo off with the doubling season deck. If you play yeah, yeah. season, then Samut, then you get two more, and then they get to ultimate. You and, can you kind know. of, um, yeah, you could basically tooth and nail before you could normally tooth and nail as far as the amount of mana that you would pay. Yeah, but then they all come in with, you know, full ultimates ready, too, because you've already got doubling season now. If you, because she starts at four and it goes up to eight. Oh, that's seven. a really good point. In, oh, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. even have to go get, like, Triskelion and Machaeus or anything. You can go get Nickel just Bolas. two Planeswalkers. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you can cheat something out. That's che- I mean, cheating the best cards part. into play. Yeah, I just hate evaluating planeswalkers based on their ultimate. Like, that's all I do. But that's I mean, the only time I'll play most of them. Is but there's already a, enough. I feel like deck. planeswalkers that if you manage to cast them with doubling season out, they're awesome. So this is just kind of another one that's not even probably as good as a lot of the other ones, as far as like. Yeah, because there's no no utility otherwise outside yeah. of. I mean, the forked boat is just whatever. And the double strike thing is like you in those decks. You want to just make sure your planeswalkers don't die, so you can accumulate value. Yeah, you're not swinging with anything. Eh, I am not super impressed with Samuot. Sorry. It's okay. All right, no, no one, no one, I don't think really is. The ultimate's, again, the only thing I evaluate a lot of planeswalkers by these days. So, okay, let's move on to blue. Blue 
is going to begin with our preview card. So we're not going to go into a lot of detail because we did an entire episode, a short episode, albeit, but <laughs> an episode. It's Une- Unesh Cryosphinx Sovereign. Cryosphinx Sovereign. Sovereign. Attack. Uh, four blue blue, four four Sphinx, f- legendary, flying. Sphinx spells you cast cost two less to cast. And then whenever Unesh or another Sphinx enters the battlefield under your control, you reveal the top four cards of your library, and then an opponent separates those cards into two piles. You put one pile into your hand and the other into your graveyard. It's sort of mini facts or fictions. We, we went into this, but I do think this card is actually very good and could be a really good deck. It just has card draw on it. Yeah. Um, you know, if you put enough Sphinxes and shapeshifters and changelings and stuff in there, clones. You I, can, might, you I might build there. this deck. It's it seems fun yeah. mono blue. It's mono. not it's a, it's also a mono blue bit deck that won't be like a absurdly powerful a, a counterspell based deck. Yeah, right? or or it, a memnarch steal everything deck. Yeah, that's the type of mono blue deck that people might not groan when they see it. Unlike Talrand or memnarch or something that's like steal all your stuff or counter all your stuff or yeah. or Baral, you know those. So anyway, that has some merit just because of that. Yeah. All right, the next blue card we're going to talk about is Kefnet's last word. And this is two blue blue, and there's this is kind of a cycle. It is a cycle. Uh, yeah. It's a sorcery for two blue blue. Gain control of target artifact, creature, or enchantment. Lands you control don't untap during your next untap step. So that last line, the lands you control don't untap during your next untap step, is across four other cards in the set. Uh, it's kind of the last gasp of all the gods. Yeah, but it gives you know for a slightly cheaper price than what you would normally get this effect for. But you, you get a cool effect. But they all have the downside of lands you control don't untap during yeah. your next untap step. So that's kind of the downside. You pay less for the spell now, but you kind of time walk yourself. I mean, not necessarily. You don't have to spend all your mana that turn. So Yeah. This yeah. is sad because this is basically before all the gods die. They're yeah, like, it's their Ugh. last gasp. It's their last like thing they can do with the remaining power they have before they go. Yeah. This, I think, is actually kind of powerful. The fact that it's artifact creature or enchantment is very nice, uh, and you're gaining control of it. Now, this is EDH, and in a you know, you're going to have a lot of mana rocks and stuff. So you should be able to mitigate the downsides of the fact that your land's on untap. Yeah, and I would say blue is probably the color that can take advantage of this the most because they also have cards like stasis and things like that that mm-hmm. are already sort of stop you know a derevi deck or something like that that's already stopping everybody from untapping yeah might not care so much that's what i think you have to have a specific deck that doesn't care about the lands you control uh don't untap or something to play these cards but once you do they can be awesome yeah because they're under costed and if the downside doesn't really hurt you then um the next one is hour of eternity it's XX blue blue blue. <laughs> what a ridiculous casting cost. So three blue, and then you pay X twice. And then you exile X target creature cards from your graveyard. And then for each card exiled this way, you create a token that's a copy of that card, except it's a 4-4 black zombie. So you eternalize yeah. X amount of creature cards only from your own graveyard. So it's five mana for one creature, seven mana for two, nine mana for three. Uh, I think seven is the sweet spot here. The fact that you get a copy of that card and, you know, becomes a 4-4 black zombie or whatever, but, you know, you get a lot of valuable things back potentially. Seems way expensive. Also, the fact that it makes them 4-4s in this case, like, I don't want to be, I don't know. I don't think this card is probably very good and I don't think we'll probably see it very much. I just want to use it to get uh, my Consecrated Sphinx back. It's interesting and you could probably do some stuff where you get like Mnemonic Walls and Archaeomancers and and get back the the Hour of Eternity. Your deck's got to be able to pump out mana though to really make it effective. Yeah. Mm, I probably won't ever play it, but maybe. 
Who knows? This card, though, I think is pretty good. Yeah, Nimble Obstructionist. That's a great name. Two in the blue for a 3-1 Flash Flying Bird Wizard. And it's also got Cycling for two in the blue, so discard this card, draw a card. Now, whenever you cycle Nimble Obstructionist, counter target activated or triggered ability you don't control. So it's like a weird flash encounter. Uh, it's a stifle. Yeah, it's a stifle. And you get a draw card as a result for two in the blue. Or yep. you can flash it in just as a 3-1 flyer. So it's got a lot of utility. Now, because it's a one-time off activator to trigger the ability and not like counter a spell, it's not, I think, as awesome. But there are still a lot of times when this would just get them. I mean, you can, like, they doubling season into Samut and are about to go off and you counter that, that, that activated ability and they can't activate another one for that turn, so it can save you. Stifle is like one of those cards that like you do want it sometimes, yeah. but it's just dead in your hand sometimes. So the good thing is this is a 3-1 flyer, or at the very least, even just cycling it and not countering something is okay because you replace the card. Plus, you can just kind of, you know, somebody fetch lands or something, you can just be like, no. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic way to sort of punish somebody. That is such a rude thing to do. Yeah, but I because you draw a card to replace it, it does end up being quite a bit better than Stifle, I think. Obviously, yeah. the casting cost is higher, but this next one is pretty cool. It's yeah. really expensive, but okay. It's, it's Swarm Intelligence. It's six and a blue. It's an enchantment. It says, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. So you fork every instant or sorcery you yeah. cast for the rest of the game as long as this is out. It's kind of like Mind's Dilation. And listen, it's not like Mind's Dilation, but I mean it's that similar type of card where it's like a seven-costed enchantment that if it sticks around, you're probably just going to win. Yeah, it's it's absurdly powerful, it yeah. seems like, but getting up to seven mana. But it's just one of those cards that when you play it, things are going to get nutty real it's, fast. You have to be in a game where you can pay seven mana and do nothing. Mind's Dilation is better, obviously, because you play it and then you pass turn and then you potentially get value from it right away. Mm -hmm. This one is even more risky because you have to make it all the way back to your turn and now start casting stuff. Or you have to cast it at a point where you have so much mana that you can follow it up with an instant or sorcery, in which case then it's crazy. Yeah. All right, this next one, let's move into green. It is the Majestic Miriarch. It's a Chimera, four and a green for a star star. What's a Miriarch? I don't know. It's like Monarch, but more myriad -esque. i know what a patriarch is or a matriarch but i don't know what a myriarch is it's probably some sort of egyptian mythological a commander thing. of ten thousand men in ancient greece all right there you go all right all but right well why greece oh yes sorry it's a chimera no no also because the greeks did uh, control egypt for a while the ptolemaic empire oh, right. anyway go ahead oh okay majestic myriarch's power and toughness are each equal to twice the number of creatures you control and then at the beginning of each combat if you can control if you control a creature with flying majestic myriarch gains flying until end of turn the same is true for first strike double strike death touch haste hexproof indestructible lifelink menace reach trample and vigilance so it's kind of like an audric uh, they better stop creating keywords because they're not going to be able to make cards like yeah, this no, anymore. Yeah, no, right. Event, like 20, in, 20, in 2030, the Majestic Mirror is going to be like twice as much text because there's just so many different things now. Uh, you know, this card is what I like to call a Voltron creature. And I was thinking about why Voltron sucks because it's all based on one creature. But if you build a deck with all, every single creature is just an, an enormous threat, then this but, kind of card goes up a little bit. But, but you need to be making a lot of creatures for this to be good because its power and toughness are equal to twice the number of creatures you control. Yeah. The fact that it only gives it to itself kind of sucks, but... Uh, yeah, it doesn't Audric and give everybody all this stuff. Yeah. I don't uh, know. I would just love to poke someone to death with this thing. It'd be fun. I mean, just ideally, you just hit them one time with this and they die, right? Because if yeah. you have to hit them more than once, it's just never going to happen. I, I don't <laughs> think this card's very good. I just think if you have a lot of tokens, which is the point where this is like very scary, then you're a token deck. 
And what you need to be doing is pumping your tokens, not playing another thing that you have to wait a full round of the table you can attack. If you don't have a lot of tokens out, then this card's not very good because teeny tiny. So I don't think it's very good in either scenario, basically. Yeah, who knows? It's an interesting card. This one's kind of cool, though. So this is also, we should have said, a, um, a cycle, the Hour of Cycle. So the green one is Hour of Promise. It's four and a green for a sorcery. Search your library for up to two lands cards. Any lands, not just basic. Put them onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. Then, if you control three or more deserts, create two 2-2 two, two black zombie creature tokens. We're going to talk about the deserts once we get to lands. There are a number of deserts, and there was a couple in Amonkent. Mm, there's two. So, so maybe you want to put a bunch of deserts in. I don't think that matters. Just finding two land cards. You can find Cabal Coffers and Urborg with this. Yeah. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the other card that this reminds me of is that one that everyone can choose to put a land Tempt out. with Discovery. Tempt with Discovery, yep. yeah. But in this case, it's still five mana, but you get two land cards. And, they and very, nobody else gets them. Very rarely do they print the words land cards on a card, so that's something to keep aware of. Just FYI, um, Tempt with Discovery, um, if, if people get lands, you go ahead and get a land, just go get Strip Mine, and then blow up the good land that somebody <laughs> got. That's a good point. Okay. Uh, what's the next... We oh, have yes. Uncage the Menagerie. X green green for a sorcery. This is an interesting one. Search your library for up to X creature cards with different names that each have converted mana cost X. Reveal them, put them into your hand, and shuffle your library. So if so, you play green green and three, you can find up to three three drops? Yeah. That seems pretty good. That seems great. Five mana, draw three, and it's tutor three, really. But yeah. you can only find three drops. But you can find Eternal Witness and go grab this again. Yeah, this this card seems very powerful, I think, in EDH. Um, a- any creature-based deck that has a lot of different creatures and that may and that's share a lot of green CMC, decks. Yeah, that's a lot of green decks. Now, you have to know your deck pretty well, obviously, before you play this card. But I think three or four is the sweet spot for this thing. Four, four drops for six mana? It's pretty good. That's nuts. It's pretty good. Yeah, this card seems one of those cards. There's going to be a lot of broken things people can do, too. I like the Eternal witness play where you first do it in the turn of witness to get it back and then then you can do it again and that way you can find it two specific cards you need over two turns there's probably we didn't do a ton of research about this specifically but there's probably i bet there's like three three drops you can get that are some kind of like win condition combo yeah definitely. you know or or there's a particular mix of a couple of four drops or something so this is the type of card somebody plays it reveals cards there's a good chance they win on the next turn yeah all right the next one is Remanap Excavator. Remanap? They're giving green a lot of toys right here. Two and a green for a 2-3 Naga Cleric. You may play land cards from your graveyard. A it's Crucible of Worlds on a stick! Hey, yeah, and they did this with like Magus of the Wheel, other cards like this in the past, but in this case it's just Crucible of Worlds, but on a creature. Makes it worse than Crucible of Worlds because it's easier to get rid of. But there's probably a lot of decks that would like to have two Crucible of Worlds. Yeah, and exactly. All Can't those decks it pretty much are going to have green in them because the the color that plays with lands the most is green. So I think this card's quite good. And, and yeah, and the lands deck. And there's I have a lands deck. Uh, we've seen a lot of lands decks because yeah. of, what was that, Gitrog Monster recently. So Oh, read this next card. I have something too. One sec. Okay. Well, <laughs> this is a first. We've never had somebody step out before but this is happening okay so we have query beetle it's four and a green for a four or five insect when query beetle enters the battlefield you may return target land card from your graveyard to the battlefield so this is a card that cheats a land from your graveyard into play uh i have no idea what jimmy's doing over oh i know exactly what he's doing over here okay so query beetle is 
A good card. All right. <laughs> I, I ran out of vamping. Is this the same? Is that what we're doing? Yeah. Here? Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. I didn't so, want to say that without knowing. So the artist for Quarry Beetle is... Mike Burns. Mike Burns. We and, should show uh, the backs of that card first. And he something. recently had some cards in Amonkhet. This is Soul Stinger. And he actually contacted Limited us and was like, hey, guys. Him. Yeah, all-star, great card. Um, hey, guys, uh, I'd love to send you some stuff and some artist proofs, which I love, which they have white backs. And then he also drew on them. So we actually have these like sweet cards that how awesome is that, that match up this guy listens to the show mike you are awesome thanks mike. soul stinger is pretty awesome and query beetle is pretty awesome also yeah let me i want to hold this up yeah so he did the art for quarry beetle as well uh i mean look this is a five mana card that returns the target land card from your graveyard to the battlefield it's an uncommon this is gonna be around a lot um i could see this just being in very good in the lands deck i mean even though it is five mana getting a land back from your graveyard to the battlefield is, seems to be pretty powerful. I can even see this in like a rune deck because um, you can flicker it and, oh, yeah. you know, fetch lands are going to go to your graveyard so you just get it. And it, it, it does ramp because it puts the land directly onto the battlefield. I actually think this is probably quite a bit better than it looks. Not to mention shenanigans with things like Dark Depths and stuff. Yeah. Well, and we'll talk about later. There's another card that works pretty well with Dark Depths here. Not that you ever need two uh, Merit Lages, but... but yeah. Yeah, maybe. I, maybe. I mean, I wouldn't mind having two Marilages. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Mike, for sending us those cards. Uh, hope to see more of your art in sets as we go forward. Speaking of great artists as well, Magali Villeneuve drew the art for this next card. It is Hope Tender and totally a Josh Lee Kwai card. One in the green for a 2-2 human druid. You can pay one and tap it to untap target land, or you can pay one to tap it to exert Hope Tender and untap two target lands. So, again, once you exert it, it does not untap during your next untap step. But there are a lot of very powerful lands that you can use. Uh, Gaia's Cradle for one sounds pretty good. It's also really good with the, some of my favorite cards, like Market Festivals and Bounce Lands. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I played the Tim deck one time at GP Vegas. Uh-huh. And uh, I got a Bounce Land with a Market Festival on it and could create unlimited mana. And then I could unlimited, infinitely counter everything, steal everything, or kill everything. Just based on the other tappers I had on the board. Wow. So Hope Tender can do that kind of thing. Remind me to not play with you again. <laughs> just kidding. Hope Tender, yeah, great card for just two mana. It seems like a, a nice, fun card to just slot into a lot of different decks. All right, let's move on to Black. This is potentially one of the most powerful cards in the set. A lot of people have been comparing it to Grizzlebrand. <laughs> I don't it's, know about that. It's Razaketh, the Foul-Blooded. This is one of the demons that Liliana made her little deal with. Mm-hmm. It's five black, black, black. Eight mana total for a legendary creature. Demon, it's legendary, noted. It's an 8-8. Eight, 8-8 eight. Eight, eight for eight mana. Flying Trample. It says pay two life. Sacrifice another creature. Search your library for a card and put that card into your hand. Then shuffle your library. So you pay two life and Diabolic Intent. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of, I'm going to say unlimited. Obviously, it's not. You have to have creatures, but unlimited tutors does seem good. Yeah, I mean, you do. I mean, here's the thing: you could also pay two life to sack a creature and find something that makes ton of creatures, and then play that. Seems and pretty just, good. Just keep going off. I mean, if it's your commander, you have to be in mono black, which is the best mono color. So that's not too much of a downside, but it's yeah. a little bit. It's eight mana again. Gristlebrand is seven. Yeah. No, is Gristlebrand eight? What's Gristlebrand? He's, He's seven. See, the problem is that Gristlebrand is banned, so I don't know. Yeah, there's no <laughs> the reason for us to know Gristlebrand. So don't yell at me, okay? It is actually eight. It's eight. Yeah. Oh, it's four black, right? Yeah, okay. four black. I played black. him once in like one of the master sets, I remember. Yeah, and I'm sure it did work, didn't it? Um, well, he's hard to get out, so yeah. yeah. If you did cast him, you win. And, oh, sorry. Back to Razaketh. 
This card is very, very good. Yeah. Because Unlimited Tutors is really good. I, it, I would play this in my March Ace deck, I think. It seems like the kind... Oh, you know what it's good in? Shadowborn Apostles. Oh, my You tutor goodness. it out early, and then you, they're, the Apostles are the creatures you can sacrifice to go get the other stuff. That seems really good. Um, I Eight mana is a little bit. This but. is one of those cards... Every set, there's a couple of cards that, you know, on Twitter, people will kind of call out to us and be like, this card seems too good and, and should be banned. This was one of those cards that mm -hmm. that sort of thought rattled around on Twitter. I don't think it's that good. It does require more setup yeah. than something like Gristlebrand. I mean, Gristlebrand, you just cast Gristlebrand. Yeah. And then you draw maybe 20 cards if you feel like it. Razaketh, you have to have some other things go on and have a, another other board presence to have it happen. You have to cast the cards that you tutor for. I mean... It's eight mana. It's it's really good, but it I don't think it's it's bannable. No. Could be wrong. Get your pitchforks out of here. All right, next up, Bantu's Last Reckoning, one of my the favorite art on this arts one, in the sweet. set. Yeah. Yeah. I just like how these guys are like, Whoa. Oh, no. Yeah. It's a sorcery for one black black to destroy all creatures. That's it. That's all it says. Just kidding. Lands you control don't untap during your next untap step. So it's a three mana damnation with the lands don't untap downside, which is kind of crazy. And your opponents can regenerate. Oh, right. Not that that matters. Yeah. This uh, everyone always is like the regeneration. It clause. never like, matters. Tell how, me how many, how many times, times has that yeah like one in a hundred maybe. It, it, yeah. <laughs> I just am saying it for Very the person rarely. out there that was going to come into the contents now or, or uh, comments and now you know you can stop typing. Yeah. We we address the regeneration thing. Three mana destroy all creatures. Lands don't untap during your next untap step. That's really hard to evaluate. It is very hard to evaluate. I think, again, because we use so many mana rocks in the format, and it's not going to punish people as hard. But at the same time, if you could just cast a three-mana spell, don't you just you wouldn't mind just casting a four-mana spell that doesn't have that downside, right? It's a really good point. So, Although that four-mana spell does cost, like, $30 or something. Yeah, and the thing is with Bontu's Last Reckoning is like maybe you just want another board wipe in your deck. Maybe you have, you know, so much mana anyway that it doesn't matter in the mono black deck with Cabal Coffers and all that stuff. Maybe like it's okay if your land's on the tap because you played Bontu's Last Reckoning and then dumped out the rest of your hand. Could be. So you don't even need to untap next turn. I mean, the downside of playing uh, most board wipes is that they cost enough that it's hard to do something else afterwards, so everybody else kind of gets to repopulate first. Mm -hmm. So it is good to have board wipes that cost less, but I don't know about that downside of landstone and tap. I'm just not sure. Who knows? All right, the next one is Torment of Hailfire. That's Hailfire, not Hellfire. Hail. Art on this is also awesome. Yeah, the, the art is sweet. It's kind of like a Black Comet Storm. I mean, it doesn't do what that does. It just yeah. looks like what that would look like. All right. Black, black for an, uh, sorry, X, black, black. Sorcery. Repeat the following process X times. Each opponent loses three life unless that player sacrifices a non-land permanent or discards a card. So let's say you pay black, black, and five. So X is equal to five. So you just say, okay, the first one, do you want to take three damage or do you want to discard a card or sacrifice a non-land permanent? And then you do that four more times. So yeah. some combination of like losing nine lives, sacrificing a card, or sorry, d discarding a card and sacrificing this mana rock. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think if you're in the deck that wants to play Exsanguinate to win, you'll also play this card. Just because they won't want to take the life loss? Yeah, and also like, you know, if you're in an Exsanguinate-esque deck, it's just another kind of version of this that will get you value regardless. It'll get you closer to their killing everyone with life loss or 
lessening their board state, especially if you do it like 10 times. Could you imagine if you did this 10 times, like lose 30 life or discard 10 cards or sacrifice yeah. non-land permanence up to that, you know? So like it's pretty powerful with the higher you get, but very bad, I think under like six. <laughs> yeah, I just don't like these cards where your opponent gets so many choices because they just have too much ability to choose the one that's the least impactful. Like, especially... They can do some combination of it, so keep their really good card, go down to like a minimal life total, but something where they're still relatively safe, sacrifice one or two things that don't matter that much right now. Yeah. They can combine all that so that I think there's like 80% of the time you play this card, it's just not going to get the stuff you really wish it would get. It's not going to do the amount of damage you wish it would do because if they're at that low of life, they're going to do the other stuff. Eh, I just don't really love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's move on to white. Oh, this card's pretty sweet. This <laughs> card is ridiculous. I love this card. Can't wait to lose to it in limited. All I right. wish they would... Sorry, go ahead. Why? Uh, the name. I wish the name was just the second word and not the first word because uh, of the... Anyway, the black version. Go ahead. It is the Crested Sun Mare. Three white, white for a creature horse. Five, five. It's a mythic horse. Other horses you control have indestructible... Horse tribal. It's the horse, the Avacyn of horses. Yeah. <laughs> At the beginning of each end step, if you gain life this turn, create a 5-5 five, five white horse creature token. Aloro, wow. here we come. Wow. So if you gain any amount of life, and that's on each turn... At that end step, you create a 5-5 five, five horse, which will be indestructible as long as the Crested Sun Mare is out. Yeah. This seems really good uh, in all those life gain decks. I was saying I wish it was just called Sun Mare, because you know we have the card Nightmare. Yeah. So it would have been clean to just call it Sun Mare. Oh, that's great. It doesn't have to be crested. I do like that. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's cool. I like this card a lot. Obviously, very powerful if you can gain a lot of life. Um, there's a whole bunch of life gain decks now, and it feels like that's every set there's a card or two for the life gain decks, and they're always in white, and, you know, they're yeah. all. So that, that decks, those decks are just getting better and better, it feels like. Um, okay, the next card is Oketra's Last Mercy. This is the Oketra's Last Gasp type of deal. One white white for a sorcery. You, your life total becomes equal to your starting life total. Lands you control don't untap during your next untap step. So this is another card that's hard to evaluate. Yeah, it's kind of like Resolute Archangel, mm -hmm. but it's cheaper, but it has the lands don't untap thing. But in like those Stasis Staxi decks, this might be good. Once you finally get it locked down, sometimes you've, you know, everyone's coming after you and yeah. just like reset my life total. And already I have stasis or static orb or something out. And so we're not untapping or winter orb. So that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get rid of a life gain card and let's talk about one of the best whiteboard wipes ever created. Hour of Revelation. Three white, white, white sorcery. Hour of Revelation costs three less to cast if there are 10 or more non land permanents on the battlefield. Pretty easy in commander. Destroy all non land permanents. Wow. For white, white, white. That's what I'm just reading it as. Wow. Yeah, because it costs white, white, white. Even for three white, 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 it's pretty good yeah. for what it does. But the fact that it can sometimes just cost white, white, white on like turn five or six, this will be eligible to be, you know, there'll be 10 or more non-land permanents. Like, what? What? It seems crazy. The fact that it gets everything, it gets enchantments, it gets planeswalkers, it gets artifacts. It's just, uh, it's really good. Yeah. Especially if you play one of those cards that like, because you can now play it with like face reward or one of these cards because it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard. There's been cards in white that do this, right? Destroy all non-land permanents, but they cost so much mana that it's hard to have a follow-up play like one of those plays that allow you to keep your stuff in the same turn. But because this is white, 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 
you can more much more easily play one of those cards like Face Reward or maybe like Boros Charm to give everything indestructible or that kind oh, of wow. stuff in yeah. the same turn to really take advantage of keeping your stuff and everybody else's goes away. Yeah, very powerful. All right, the next one is Overwhelming Splendor. Six white, white. So eight mana. Enchantment or a curse. So you enchant player, a specific player. Creatures enchanted player controls lose all abilities and have base power and toughness one. So you humility one player. And then enchanted player can't activate abilities that aren't mana abilities or loyalty abilities. That means it also turns off like, you know, other stuff that aren't creatures. Yeah. Like their mana rocks and planeswalker works. That's it. <laughs> This card's ridiculous. It costs eight mana, but it's And so, it only hits one player? It's brutal. You shut a player out of the game if you play this on them, essentially. Depending on the deck, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, I don't know what else It's going to be one of those cards where, like, it. yeah. if you... Yeah. It's going to be mean, but if somebody makes you mad, you could really get them with that card. Yeah. Like, all right, yeah, yeah, I don't care. I'm going down because I'm going to do this to you. <laughs> It could make other players not want to kill you because you're keeping that player down by having that card on the that's battlefield, true. too. Yeah, so, that's yeah, what I would play with it. That's totally interesting. It. Yeah. Um, All right. Dejeru with wi- with eyes wide open. Just, sorry, just eyes open. Uh, it's Semut's friend that is not a planeswalker, but he is a legendary creature human warrior that costs three white white and is a four three with vigilance. When Dejeru with eyes open enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a planeswalker card, reveal it, put it into your hand, and shuffle your library. So if it- he, Thalia's Lieutenants for yeah. a Planeswalker. Yeah. Seems good. Um, or Calls the Gatewatch, right? Uh, uh, yep. If a source would deal damage to a Planeswalker you control, prevent one of that damage. So it seems pretty good for... I mean, I think the idea is like, ha, Dejiro's going to find his friend Samut. But in this case, it seems you know pretty good for three white-white to tutor up a Planeswalker and then also have a nice sort of like damage mitigation ability on top of that. Yeah, off the top of my head, I'm not thinking of anything, but there might be like a mono white deck that just wants to always have access to one or two certain planeswalkers. And there's the Sun's Champion. You could build your deck around it because you know, you know, right now you can't just use like Elspeth Sun's Champion as your commander. But if you had Jeru, you could basically build your deck around it because you can guaranteed get it on turn five every time. Yeah, and then turn six you can play yeah. Elspeth. That's so, pretty interesting. It's a good there's point. There's probably some decks that can be built that way now. Um, also, obviously, flickering in and just putting it in Super Friends as another tutor is probably pretty good. Yeah. All right, the next one is Angel of Condem- Condemnation. I almost said con- Condensation. Condensation. Yeah. Angel of Rain. <laughs> Make it rain up in here. Two white whites <laughs> for a creature angel. Four mana total. Three, three flying vigilance. You pay two and a white and tap the Angel of Condemnation. Exile another target creature. Return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. So you kind of... Um, uh, rune something basically but mm-hmm. it's, it's any creature so it is a lot like rune or you can pay two and a white tap and exert angel of condemnation so you can basically do this every other turn and then exile another target creature until angel of condemnation leaves the battlefield so you can just sort of start mangara of condoring stuff or cool. also i think a, a, a use that might be sort of more rare but also good is uses to save one of your own creatures from a board wipe. So, oh right, you know somebody board wipes you angel of, angel of condemnation your own creature, it gets exiled, but then the angel of condemnation dies due to the board wipe, and now the creature that you exiled that was your own comes back into play, and you kind of keep it. That's kind of cool. I like yeah. that a lot. Also, yeah, it's it's cool that it can just keep doing it if you have a way to untap it. Yep. 
Um, like Samut, maybe? The original Samut? It's a pretty good one. <laughs> it's a pretty good one. Yeah, so you can play white in the Samut deck. It's Naya. All right. Uh, yeah, this card seems pretty good. I like it a lot. Um, it, you know, I think it's a little expensive for two and a white, and you have to tap it to do it. But I mean, uh, Eldrazi Displacers cost that. I mean, it's colorless. But, sure. but you don't have to tap it. So yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Good card, though. I still I still like it a lot. All right. This next one this is... This is the Panharmonicon, the um, yeah. Paradox engine of the set. This is probably the single most powerful in its, you know, when it's at its most powerful uh, card yeah. in the set. This is the one everyone's kind of talking about. It is Solemnity. The picture's really sad, too. It's the fallen uh, cat mask, and I think Gideon yeah. sort of crouched over it. Two and a white for an enchantment player. Yeah, it's fallen Oketra, not just Oketra, mask, sorry, yeah. yeah. Players can't get counters, and then counters can't be put on artifacts, creatures, enchantments, or lands. So you can still put counters on planeswalkers. It doesn't like make it so they can't play the planeswalkers and they just die with zero loyalty. But everything else can't get counters. Like, yeah. This is the anti-Craig Blanchett card. You cannot get poison <laughs> counters because players can't get counters. You can't get experience counters yeah. because players can't get counters. Atraxa, you can't be proliferating, proliferating. stuff. Um, there's some crazy uses of this card. Cumulative upkeep is one. So cumulative upkeep are those oh, cards right. where they sort of start to accrue. So something with cumulative upkeep that I like is Glacial Chasm. And the cumulative upkeep is pay to life. But the way cumulative upkeep is worded is you put a counter on the thing and then you sort of tally that and then you pay that amount. Well, mm -hmm. with Solemnity, you can't put the counter on the thing so you never end up paying the cumulative upkeep. Uh, so Glacial Chasm recently jumped in price due to this card, but... You know, I've been telling you about that card for years, so if you haven't already picked up your Glacial Chasms, that's your own fault. Also, Undying and Persist cards, they die, they come back with a plus one, plus one counter, or a negative one counter. Well, that counter can't be placed, which means an Undying or Persist card can just kind of be sacrificed forever if Solemnity yeah. is out. Uh, and a really good one is uh, Giralf's Messenger. So this is a card that's kind of a win condition by itself with Solemnity and a sack outlet. So I guess not technically by itself. Yeah, because when it enters the battlefield, target opponent loses two life, but it has undying, so it's going to come back with a plus one, plus one counter. However, it's not going to do that if Solemnity is out and you keep sacking it over and over and over again, and it can just essentially keep that card going until it just kills everyone by draining them all. Yeah, and it, because undying happens now, when it dies, it comes immediately back. It's not like at the next end step. You, mm -hmm. can, just, you can just off everybody right away. Um, there's things like... Um, Dark Depths, which we mentioned earlier. So Dark Depths will come in with no counters on it. Mm -hmm. So you can just kind of immediately make a Merit Lage. Uh, there's stuff like Phyrexian Unlife and Delaying Shield, which basically make it so that it's impossible for you to die as long as that's out because Phyrexian Unlife sets your life total... Uh, at You can't take damage anymore, but all damage you take is in the form of poison counters. Yeah. So you can't get poison counters because Solemnity is out. So, yeah, it says you don't lose the game for having zero or less life. But as long as you have zero or less life, all damage that's dealt to you is dealt as though that source had infect. But, but because you can't get poison counters, delaying shield is similar in that it basically makes it so that while that, those two cards are out, you just kind of can't die. There are some ways around it. The big one everyone's talking about, and this is going to be one of the oppressive ways to use it, is Decree of Silence. Um, <laughs> this is sort of like a, you just sort of counter everything once yeah. this is out. So Decree of Silence is six blue blue for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, counter that spell and put a depletion counter on Decree of Silence. If there are three or more depletion counters on Decree of Silence, sacrifice it. 
So it has cycling. That's that's not what this is about. So usually you counter three spells with Decree of Silence, and it's just the next three spells cast. I mean, it sucks, but people can just sort of power through it. Mm -hmm. With Solemnity, no counters are replaced, which means you just counter all spells for the rest of the game. Yeah, no thank you. I quit. (laughs) I'm never playing EDH again. (laughs) That is, it's pretty brutal. That is brutal. Yeah. All right, the last card in white we're going to talk about is Saving Grace, one in the white for an enchantment aura. It has flash, enchant creature you control. When Saving Grace enters the battlefield, all damage that will be dealt this turn to you and permanence you control is dealt to enchanted creature instead, and the enchanted creature gets plus O, plus three. So it's like a white fog. Yeah, I kind of like this card because, and, and I don't, again, this is one of those cards that sort of pops up on my radar as like, there's probably a way to abuse it, bounce it back to your hand a bunch, keep replaying it, mm. get in a loop where you basically can just always play this a constant miss sort of loop where like yeah until they deal with this little thing you've got going they just can't kind of kill you so i like cards like that yeah i like that all it right just like pops in like hey get out of here and we'll yeah. save your grace all right let's go on to red everyone's favorite color neheb the eternal boy my boy he leveled up this is your boy and now he's mono red so he's really yeah, your boy he's now my full boy three red red for a four six legendary creature zombie minotaur warrior Woo! Afflict three. That's the first time we've seen Afflict now. Whenever this creature becomes blocked, defending player loses three life. At the beginning of your post-combat main phase, add red tier mana pool for each one life your opponents have lost this turn. So this is a way to potentially generate a ton of mana, and it actually makes cards like Fireball and Incinerate good. Uh, Because all of a sudden you played... Now all of a sudden the card reads, add, you know, 10 mana tier mana pool as well as deal 10 damage to one person, or if it's like a Comet Storm or something that deals damage to a lot of different people, or like a Hurricane or something-esque effect. Oh, yeah. I think if you Earthquake... Earthquake, yeah. For like even three, that's going to do three, six, nine. Yeah. That's going to give you nine damage. You Earthquake for three, so you cast... You played four mana. Got nine back. So you get nine mana for your red. And then, then you could, you use, could use it for something else. Never mind if you got Perforos or something nutso out where you just all of a sudden are ding... I think... Impact Tremors and Perforos and stuff that's like yeah. deals incidental damage to all your opponents is going to be so good with this card to generate mana. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Also, Neheb, just because of Flick 3, you're always going to kind of get 3. Because mm-hmm. he's a 4-6, and you're always going to be able to attack somebody. Even if they block, they take 3 damage, and you get 3 mana. So Well, if they don't block, they take 4. They take and 4, and you get, and get 4, four mana. mana. Yes, yeah, yeah. so this is great, actually. And what Nicobola says, this is what glory looks like. That's right. That's right. This is glorious. You know, it's amazing on Amonkhet, wherever you are, you can always see one pair of bullet horns, but you can never see two pairs. Is there only one pair, or are they just everywhere? It's enchanted, so that no matter what, when you're looking, that's how, like that, apparently that's what Nicol Bolas did. <laughs> oh, is that is how? That, yeah, he enchanted the plane so that his glory would be everywhere, no matter where you looked from the main area, you'd always be able to see the pair of horns or something. Something weird, I don't know. That's really in the story? That, yeah. Yeah, interesting. I guess they, they thought of that criticism that I just threw out, so they were ahead of me. Well, that's why they put it everywhere, otherwise. <laughs> All right. The next one is Hazard's Last Gasp. Sorry, it's called Hazard's Undying Fury for Red Red Sorcery. It doesn't die. Hazard, look. Undying Fury. Undying, yeah. Interesting. Maybe Hazard lives? Who knows? But the Scorpion God is literally a big shadow on the wall, which is kind of crazy. Where are the bullet horns, though? Okay, shuffle your <laughs> library. Shuffle your library. This is interesting, and I, I want to talk about this card because I think from a sort of design standpoint, they may be uh, fixing something that they've made mistakes in in the past. So sorcery, six mana. Shuffle your library, then exile the top four cards. You may cast any number of non-land cards with converted mana cost five or less from among them without paying their mana cost, 
And then it has the same writer that all the rest have. Lands you control don't untap during your next untap step. I think this is the first time, and maybe not the first, but where one of these like randomization top of your library cards, cheating of mana costs, mm -hmm. has said shuffle your library before you do the thing. Right. So you can't do the top deck manipulation stuff that makes these things so incredibly broken. As a result, this card is just highly mediocre. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's good enough to really play an EDH. But I'm just saying, like, I think they should have probably done that with like Aetherworks Marvel and stuff. Yeah, that's an interesting. Thing. Yeah. All right, let's let's talk about the next card. It's the name of the set: Hour of Devastation. Three red red for a sorcery. All creatures lose indestructible until end of turn. Hour of Devastation deals five damage to each creature and each non-Bolas Planeswalker. A really interesting board wipe from red. The lose indestructible thing is is good. Yeah, it's good. I wish it was more than five damage. Yeah, it's not really the Hour of Devastation. This is more like the Minutes of Devastation. <laughs> hour of Devastation would be like 20 damage to everyone. <laughs> you know? The Minute of Devastation. We have cards called like Imminent Doom in here. You know, like Hour of Devastation and five damage. That just doesn't make sense to me. This will probably kill every Planeswalker on the battlefield, though. Uh, Not necessarily. There's a whole bunch that come with like six. Well, not a whole bunch, but the really good ones like Ugin and Bolas and stuff. Yeah. I mean... Well, it's non-Bolas Planeswalkers. So. Oh, right. It won't even hit <laughs> Bolas. Um, if it was seven damage, then I, it would be a lot higher in it because there's just a, enough creatures that, that are around six and seven life. And, and yeah. you know, obviously you don't want to make like 13 damage with the indestructible thing. That's probably a little too powerful, but it's it's good. It's yeah, fine. Seems all right. It's going to wipe off all the little stuff. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Imminent Doom... It's the next card. Two in a red. Enchantment. Imminent Doom enters the battlefield with a Doom Counter on it. Whenever you cast a spell with converted mana cost equal to the number of Doom Counters on Imminent Doom, it deals that much damage to target creature or player, and then you put a Doom Counter on it. So it comes in with one, you cast Brainstorm, it deals one damage to a creature or player, and now it has two counters on it, and now the next time you cast a Instant or Sorcery with two converted mana cost, sorry, a spell, not Instant or Sorcery, yeah. with two converted mana cost, then it dings something for two. Yeah, this is the card I least look forward to opening in my sealed pool on pre-release weekend. Oh yeah, because you're not gonna have any one drops, so you're never gonna get it off of one. Yeah, exactly. And this isn't just this is card is just it requires so much build around, and EDH it just doesn't seem like something that I, I think would it's like. probably fine in like Mizix. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it in Mizix more than anything else. But at the same time, Mizix just wants to cast something that has more. TMC than your experience. Right, but is. you're going to start with like, you have enough ones and twos and stuff to do it, and you also comes out before Mizzix. Because yeah. it was. You're just hoping that you have it before I don't even. Mizzix. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I don't even know if I would play it in that deck. I just maybe. <laughs> All right, never mind. I lied. This is the sweetest art in the set. It's Wildfire Eternal. Three and a red for a one, four creature zombie jackal cleric. Gosh, they are just going nuts with the keywords here. Afflict four. Whenever this creature comes blocked, defending player loses four life. Whenever Wildfire Eternal attacks and isn't blocked, you may cast an instant or sorcery from your hand without paying its mana cost. <sighs> Cheating of mana cost. We know. We know. There's going to be probably something we can attack and not blocked. But we know. We got it. Yeah. We mm. know. Powerful. Super powerful. Um, I'll also say Zombie Jackal Cleric. I think it's pretty clear we're going into sort of a tribal time in Magic because we got the tribal commanders and we know Ixalan's going to be pretty heavy on the tribes. So. Yeah. All right, the next one is... This one's for you. Oh, Fervent Paincaster. Fervent Timcaster, two in a red, three, one, human wizard. You can tap it to deal one damage to target player, or you can exert it to deal... Tap and exert it to deal one damage to target creature. So if you want to use it as a full Tim, you kind of have to do it every other turn. But, yeah, interesting. Yeah. It's cool. Just that we haven't seen too many uh, Tims in the day, so... This one is a win con, I think, in some 
in yeah. some decks. It's got, you know, it's got very similar cards in the past. Yeah, exactly. Like Gutter Snipe. Might be good in that Neheb deck, too, depending on how you build it. It's a Firebrand Archer, one in a red, 2-1 Human Archer. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, Firebrand Archer deals one damage to each opponent. Ding. So sort of stormy decks, too. Might just like it. Yeah. It's just going pew, pew, pew. So you don't have to fully storm off. You just have to half storm off. <laughs> All right. Let's go to our multicolored slash gold cards. We already talked about Nicole Bolas and the gods, but we have some other cards in here, including Obelisk Spider, one a black and a green for a 1-4 creature spider with reach. Whenever Obelisk Spider deals combat damage to a creature, put a minus one, minus one counter on that creature. Whenever you put one or more minus one, minus one counters on the creature, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Hey, what's that deck you built that would like this card? Hapatra. Um, also, there's a lot of ways with like Blowfly Infestation to just go infinite and kill everybody now because you can just sort of nest of scarabs, Blowfly. This guy does the damage. Yeah. Everybody loses one life and you gain a life. You know, this card's really good in that deck. Yeah, pretty put good. Put it in Hapatra. You put can't it put Hapatra. it in the uh, Scorpion God deck, though, sorry, because they didn't put green in that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, true. All right, the next one is Bloodwater Entity. One blue, red, flying prowess, 2-2, two, two, elemental. When it enters the battlefield, you can put target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard on top of your library. So this is kind of Archaeomancer, Mnemonic Wall, a little bit cheaper, doesn't put it in your hand, but I think still good. Yeah, on top of your library is always questionable. I think you have to have a lot of card draw to make it really effective. Cause but you're in a blue deck. Yeah, but we've already talked about how even tutors that put it on the top of your library aren't that good necessarily. Wait a minute, they're all good. Mystical, Enlightened, Vampiric, they all see play. Yeah, but you get to do those at instant speed. Yeah, true, true, true. Well, right before you, know, you true, try. True, true, true. I, I think this card is playable, but not amazing. Yep. All right, let's talk about some of our Aftermath slash Split cards. This one is Leave to Chance. Uh, this is a one and a white instant for leave and return any number of target permanents you own to your hand. That seems pretty crazy. You own too, so they don't have to be you control at all. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And chance, three in a red for aftermath. Yeah, we both have to do yeah, this. Uh, you can cast this card only from your graveyard, then exile it. It's a sorcery. Discard any number of cards, then draw that many cards. So obviously leave if you want to be like bouncing. You know, you can bounce all your lands, and then chance you can discard all of those to draw that many cards or whatever. Maybe don't do all your lands. Not all. Maybe of them. some. Yeah. This is a great anti-board wipe card, though. Yeah. With leave, and then you know, anti you stole my stuff card. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a card that if you're in red and white, you you play this card. Um, it, it seems very good. It's got card draw on it, which is great. Also for white, it's a sort of unique effect. Just the returning any number of target permanents you own to your hand. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, yeah, I like it. All right, but I need a reason to believe that's good. And reason to believe is exactly the next card we got. It's blue for a sorcery on the top, and it just says scry three for one blue. That's actually decent. Yeah. Um, I think scry two is equivalent to one card. It's about a card, so yeah. it's probably a little more than a card. Yeah. And then believe. Ugh, I can't believe I'm doing this. Four and a green for a sorcery. Aftermath. Look at the top card of your library. You may put it onto the battlefield if it's a creature card if you don't put it into your hand. Uh, so obviously you're supposed to scry, see something awesome, and then cheat it out with believe. Mm, but you don't even really have to do that. You could just, you know, use Sensei's Divining Top or Scroll Rack or a million other cards to put yeah. something awesome on the top of your library and then cheat it out. Cheating of mana costs, we know. Pretty good. Uh, the next one is called Claim to Fame. This was the Masters of Modern spoiler card, and boy, they've gotten two hits in a row now. Yeah, this card seems really good, uh, especially in Modern. Yeah, it's from cheap Fatal too. Push to Claim, good lord. So Claim, the Claim half is one black for a sorcery. Return target creature card with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So you kind of Alesha something, right? And then Fame is one in a red for a sorcery. Aftermath, obviously. 
target creature gets plus two plus oh and gains haste until end of turn so hey. for one bl black red you can take a two drop or less from your graveyard to put it onto the battlefield give it haste and plus two plus oh yeah obviously very good with death shadow and a lot of other modern decks that have so many creatures that are cmc two or less so yeah, I think just kind of good in general. Like, you can sort of reuse it into the battlefield effect. You can swing at somebody out of nowhere. There's yeah. a lot of good uses for it, yeah. Yeah, the card seems really good. All right, our last split card would be Refuse to Cooperate. Three and a red for an instant for Refuse. Refuse deals damage to target, to target spells controller equal to that spell's converted mana cost. Cooperate, two and a blue for an instant with Aftermath. Copy target instant or sorcery spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. So for a total of seven mana, you can deal damage. Someone casts a spell, and you're like, boom. You take damage to that CMC, and then I'm going to also copy it if it's an instant or sorcery, and then I can choose new targets for it. We cast huge spells in EDH, so I can see this being really, really good, where you basically gain a copy of a spell they cast, ding them for 10-ish, you know, or whatever. It's just spell on the first half, too, so if they cast, you know, yeah. something huge. Yeah, I would take a look at all of the Aftermath cards. I think they all have some merit because they're so flexible. Yeah, and I would say, least. like, the Refuse half doesn't look good, right? Yeah. It looks only okay. But because you've got the Cooperate half, then the Refuse half is just kind of gravy. And that, I think that card is good enough if it's just tacked onto another card. It's not good enough by itself to just deal damage straight to somebody's face, even if it's 10 or 11 damage. So Yeah. I mean, Grind to Dust and Driven to Despair are both also great. Um I would just check those out. We won't talk about them now, though. They're not we, as good in EDH, but they're still good. We got to talk about another great card. It is Mirage Mirror. We're moving on to Artifacts. Now, this card, I think, is pretty crazy. This card is sweet. It's a three-mana Artifact that for two mana you can pay. Uh, Mirage Mirror becomes a copy of target Artifact, Creature, Enchantment, or Land until end of turn. What is this mirror? It is a Mirage. It's insane. It creates a Mirage. Of artifact, Creature, Enchantment, or Land? You can make this into Dark Depths if you wanted to. <laughs> Guy's Cradle. Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, Cabal Coffers. Like, there's so many uses for this card. The fact that it does all, copies all the different things is what makes it amazing because the versatility on it's huge. I mean, this may be one of the best artifacts ever printed. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know about How, that. However, it does not have the text on it that says it gains this ability as well. So once it becomes the copy, you can only do it once. But it's still end of turn. Yeah. So then it turns back into the Mirage Mirror for the next turn. You could do some nutty stuff, though, where you stack all of the Mirage Mirrors on top of each other. You copy three things, and then as each resolves, you use that card for that ability, and then the next one will resolve, become the new card. And That's you interesting. And that ability, too. Is that so, legal? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think Let's so. Let's ask a judge. But I'm yeah, it sounds one. right to me, but I'm not a judge, so please don't eviscerate us if that's incorrect but you can eviscerate me this seems like the type of card where you can do crazy shenanigans like that in yeah. some way so uh yeah this 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 is probably is this second best to solemnity i would say so it might be better in that it's going to be more useful in more decks because mm -hmm. it's because it's, it's um or, yeah but it's probably not at its most powerful. sheer power level might be locust god though solemnity is so good though yeah um in some methods, though, that card would just do nothing. <laughs> uh, we didn't talk about this, but don't just throw Solemnity in your deck, too, because you might randomly like make your cre your opponent's like undying and persist creatures like An way too good. Yeah, yeah persist so specifically. Make sure you're so using the Solemnity. I don't think it's probably very good to just shut somebody off. Yeah. All right, so now we're on to the uh, lands section. So there's quite a few lands in this set. We're going to start with uh, Endless Sands. It's a desert. You can tap it to add colorless to your mana pool. You can pay two and tap it to exile target creature card you control, and then you can pay four to sacrifice Endless Sands and return each creature card exiled with Endless Sands to the battlefield under control. It kind of um, 
there was a card called Safe Haven that's very similar, um, where you sort of hide your creatures under it, and then at some point you sort of crack open, you know, that and get all the stuff back. You kind of put be it, during your upkeep. Yeah, you know? Safe Haven is the the Endless Sands isn't during your upkeep. Uh, mm-hmm. You pay a you pay a cost to do it, but you can save your creatures from board wipes and stuff, and you can just, you know, you might be able to do something where you exile a creature, then on your turn exile another creature, then play a board wipe. Then on your next turn, get that stuff back out. Yeah, I really stuff. like this card. Yeah, I think it's really, really cool. Also, it's a desert, which is important later. Yeah. Or maybe has been already important for that one green card. Yeah. Uh, Crypt of the Eternals is another land. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you gain one life, uh, and you can tap it to add a colorless to your mana pool, or you can tap one and tap it to add blue, black, or red to your mana pool. So it's a Grixis land that filters for one extra shimmering it's worse than shimmering grotto it's, right yeah way worse because you can only get grixis out of it yeah um but you know it's a land that also tests for colorless and that matters for some decks but oh that's true yeah oh shimmering grotto does too though yeah it's true actually just play shimmering grotto but you do gain a life when this comes in so yeah. <laughs> if, if it was a desert why is that not a desert then all of a sudden it has something yeah speaking of deserts let's talk about all of the deserts there Segway is a man. there is a common cycle of deserts that is one of each color they all enter the battlefield tapped and it's desert of the blank and it's actually of all of the um, the names of the gods so fervent desert of the indomitable desert of the glorified of the mindful of the true they can all tap to add a color of that god to your mana pool and they also cycle for one and that color so pretty good uh, for limited. We've had butter cycling lands, though. Yeah, so, we, yeah. we definitely have had butter cycling yeah. lands. But the, the important part is they, they all say land-desert on them. And then there's also Dunes of the Dead, which you can tap for colorless. And then when it's put into the graveyard from the battlefield, you create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. That you could probably get into some loops with Crucible of Worlds and some other stuff where you're just creating yeah. a ton of zombies all of a sudden. You might be able to do it in your green deck. The, yeah, uh, just sack play, sack play, sack play, sack play, make like six zombies. Yeah. You might be able to do stuff like that. Um, there's so many deserts. There's Hashep Oasis. You can pay a life to add green to your mana pool, or you can one green green to tap and sacrifice a desert, and target creature gets plus three, plus three until end of turn, and you can only do this as a sorcery. That's sort of giant growths at the cost of three mana and one of your deserts. Um, yep. I think the good one here is the white one, which, uh, what's it called? We're looking for it. It's called Shafet Dunes. It's a desert. Adds colorless. You can pay one life and add white to your mana pool. Uh, you can also pay two white, white, tap and sacrifice a desert, and creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. So you get a sort of anthem on it, which I think is one of the few ones that might make it into mm-hmm. uh, EDH because you can sacrifice itself. Yes. So it's kind of like a land that turns into a pump spell, which yeah, that's overlap, right? Yeah, and then there's two more here. There's Hostile Desert, which you can tap to add colors to your mana pool, or two mana... Exile a land card from your graveyard. Hostile Desert becomes a 3-4 elemental creature until end of turn. It's still a land. I wouldn't be surprised if this saw modern play. Yeah, because fetch land. And 3-4 is pretty big. And, uh, yeah, man lands or folk lands kind of do well. Creature yeah. lands. Uh, and then this one's actually, I think, really good. I think this might be the best of them as far sort of all-purpose use. It's Scavenger Grounds. It's a land. It's a desert. Taps for a colorless or diamond mana. Or you can pay two, tap it, and sacrifice a desert and exile all cards from all graveyards. As a land. This is a land that does it. So you, th- you think of how much play Bajukabog sees. Yeah. Well, this is just better. On, at instant speed, because Bajukabog has to... I, so many times I've played Bajukabog being like, well, I'm going to target no one because no one has anything in the graveyard. Yeah, and I, I just have to play this land because it comes into play tapped, and I just yeah. don't want to put myself off curve, but at the same time, it's the type of thing where I'd rather play it as a spell later to get rid of a graveyard. Well, mm-hmm. Scavenger Grounds... You can sort of do that at your will. Also, because you sacrifice a desert, it doesn't even have to sacrifice itself. So yeah. if you had another desert, you could possibly do it again later. 
uh, and graveyard hate is so important in our format and becoming more so because they just keep printing graveyard shenanigans. Yeah. All right. So that does it. That wraps up our Hour of Devastation set review, a nice hour-plus review of a bunch of cards. Uh, we're going to do a quick best of. We've been doing these now. So best of the gods? Locust. Locust. Not even close. Best of white, blue, black, red, green. Uh, Solemnity? Yeah, I think Solemnity. Solemnity seems to be the best. The best, I think so, yeah. The best of the multicolored cards. Ooh, this um, one's tougher Well, because there was less. I mean, we're... Obviously, we're not counting the gods because we already made the yeah. best of. So I'm going to say leave to chance because it's card draw in red and in, it's a very unique effect for white. It's a good one. Uh, I'm going to say that spider because I like uh, my Oketra deck, but that's just a personal pick. I don't know. Overall, you might be right. Yeah. We had zombie tribal in here too. I don't know why. Oh, Maybe. sorry. I just put it there because uh, it's something we didn't talk about, but I wasn't. We're not equipped right now to answer what the best zombie tribal card is. It's probably the god. Yeah, the scary. But there's a god. whole ton of zombie tribals just in general stuff in there. So yeah, because a lot I of like cards it. we didn't talk about are zombie cards that might go in zombie decks. Mm -hmm. Best planeswalker. Nicole Bolas, God Pharaoh, easily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as only one of the two planeswalkers in the set. So <laughs> he didn't um, have a lot of competition this time. Yeah. To the listeners, though, what cards are you most excited about from Hour of Devastation? Which of your decks are they going to go into? Do you agree with our best ofs? Do you think we missed a lot of cards? Let us know. Tell us your thoughts on the new mechanics as well. And if you have some fun, interesting ways to use Afflict or Eternalize. This seems particularly good. The gods are all good for our format. There's a bunch of other good cards. I think Unesh. Rakazesh, there's like five Razaketh. Yeah. There are five viable commanders that are all good. Yeah. Oh, Nehef, I think, is actually pretty decent too. So actually, Jero, Dejero, Dejero might yeah. be might be a deck. It, I think it's probably the worst of the bunch, but there might be some weird combos I'm not thinking of. So yeah, a lot of good stuff. The place you can get all of these awesome cards right now, from here until forever, is cardkingdom.com slash commandzone. That's our affiliate link. Please use that link if you're going to be buying singles off Card Kingdom. They have incredibly fast shipping. They've got great customer service, and their cards are mad high quality, even higher quality than they list sometimes. So make sure that you go to cardkingdom.com slash commandzone the next time you're buying Magic products, sealed products, or any Ultra Pro product as well. Yeah. Speaking of Ultra Pro, they are our other sponsor. We thank them so much for supporting the show. And you should check out their Eclipse sleeves, which are, as we've said many times, the best sleeves currently on the market. You don't have to take our word for it. The professor even says so. Also, they have some really cool dice, those heavy metal dice that we gave away in Vegas. And they also have the gravity dice, which I get compliments on all the time. I actually do have some of those. So definitely check out Ultra Pro products at places like Card Kingdom or any gaming store. Mm -hmm. All right, now we have a small uh, plug. Lifelinker! It's our life app. We're going to be using it later today when we play uh, Magic the Gathering slash Commander. You can have up to six players. You can customize life totals. You also, if you are a patron of the show, you unlock Lifelinker and the extend the upgraded version for absolutely free. And you also get our player logo, which means you can have the little Command Zone logo there if you want um, behind your name. Yeah, you can also get colored backgrounds and you can change the player names with that unlock. Or you can just pay 99 cents for the unlock. You know, you don't have to become a patron. But you should become a patron because, you know, you're obviously listening to the show. And the fact that you're still listening to it after more than an hour means you probably like it. I hope so. Uh, <laughs> you can also get other content creator logos, logos on Lifelinker. And we always say this, nobody listens, but please pay attention. If you want the logos for the other content creators, like 
the prof, Magic Man Sam, the Manasaurus, Loading Ready Run. I'm not going to list them all. You have to talk to those content creators. They have their codes. We don't give out their codes. And they all give them out in different ways. Some are just freely available to the public. Some are on their Patreon. Some are other ways. Um, and we just left it up to them because that was a gift we wanted to give them. Uh, yep. So please collect all the logos. Please do. All right. Now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. I have something, but I've been dominating the end step lately. So if, if you have something, I'm going oh, to step aside. I think aside. I wrote something into the original outline and you just took it out. I'm sorry. It's called MXM. Oh, I was not sure that that was... Sorry. It's a new game from NCSoft. NCSoft uh, made games like City of Villains, uh, oh, I like City of Villains. Lineage, um, Aeon, Upheaval. Uh, I think they also did Guild Wars. And Master X Master is sort of their Super Smash Brothers of their universe, where they take a lot of characters from all these games, put them into a League of Legends-esque uh, game where you can play either... Put a MOBA? Yeah, it's kind of like a MOBA, but it's got a full like Diablo-esque PvE format in it. And you also can play a 3vv format or a 5v5 format that's very similar to League of Legends. And uh, each of the, the main premise of it, too, is that it's Master X Master. So you can have control two people at once. So it's like Marvel vs. Capcom. And you can hot switch between the two with like a 12 Oh, you like tag in your other character? Yeah, and the other one's going to heal Sweet. when you're out of it. So it's a lot of fun. It's really fun, fast, dynamic. It's free to play. And the PVE is actually really deep in it if you're not interested in the PvP parts of it or the lore. So it's kind of like MOBA. a hack and slash in the PvE like Diablo? Yeah, it's a little bit of a hack and slash. But like each that. character is different. You either have ranged characters or support or melee and all that stuff. So it's very expansive, very fun to play. I've been playing a lot of it, um, mostly the 3vv3 format because I think that's a lot of fun. Master X Master. I MXM. may check this out. I'm looking for a game that I don't need to play for like 40 hours at a time. Oh, yeah. You can pick this up and play for 20 minutes and be done. That's what I need. Yeah. All right. It's because, fun. you know, then I got to get back to work on game night today. I don't have that amount of time to play yeah. all at once. Yeah. David, we, we've been tweeting you, Josh. We're waiting. <laughs> have you? No. Yeah. Lies. All lies. <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, make sure to check out our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. You can find them on Twitter at the MMCast or also right next to us at collected.company, which is our magic hub. I would encourage you to check out our sister podcast. They do a lot of cool stuff. And like we said, they had an awesome preview card. Two sets in a row now, so who knows what's in store in the future for them. That's true. Wow, Kiwi. Kiwi cameo. Kiwi's here for the final part of the end set where we talk about our editor for the show, who is Terry Robertson. Awesome, 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 awesome. Terry does a great job editing the episodes. And also check out our last episode. It was a Grand Prix recap. We include a ton of footage that Terry shot at Grand Prix Vegas. You should definitely check that out. And big special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for doing the Living Card animations that start and end every video of the show. You can find Jeffrey at Living Cards uh, MTG on Twitter. And you can find our videos for the show at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. So please check it out. Man, how do we go 165 episodes and not put Kiwi on? We should have done this a long time ago. She's, she's on so game cute. nights. Yeah, she's doing great. She's way Kiwi cuter than it, she's way way. cuter than us. Yeah, she's totally putting up with it. She's like, all right, what comes after this? Do I get some snacks? She's like, yeah, listen, I'm going to craft services. Check you guys later. Not that we have craft services, just saying. It was an entertainment joke. She can play magic, though, with the best of us. <laughs> with the best of us. All right, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for watching Kiwi Dance. And we will see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. 
For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.